All of me hente, your boy Sky John here today with the great Sean Moore. Been dying to talk to him. Sean, tell us who you are and what it is you do. I'm the CEO of Trueface, uh -huh. and uh, my goal is to teach computers and cameras to see like human beings. Okay, dude, that's deep. You just blow my <laughs> mind, okay? Interview over. <laughs> okay, so see like human beings, you're talking facial recognition. I am. Uh, that's a component of it. It's also object recognition, uh, the analysis of how people move throughout a, a frame. Uh, so it's really indexing the the vision of the camera and trying to make sense of that either in real time or after the fact. How far are you away from this, like actually having a computer see like a human? I'd say a few years. You know, we've got components to it. So we have the facial recognition piece nailed down. Uh, we can recognize cars and license plates and firearms, uh, predict age, um, analyze emotions. So we're getting close, but stringing that all together is, is where it gets very valuable. Okay, so when you, say, when you say analyze emotion, so if I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm lying to you, <laughs> you kind of would know I'm lying. It's a little harder. We're looking at the five basic emotions right now. So happy, sad, fearful, um, angry. And, and so we're, we're just trying to analyze the, the basic emotions right now. But I do think the technology could get to a point where you know, it's looking at micro movements. Okay, um, we're not there yet, though. Okay, I'm a weird dude, right? Like when, when I'm angry, I'm smiling. You know, like when you see me <laughs> smiling, I'm about to F you up. So would, would, would AI tech would detect that? Oh, uh, that's an edge case. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> you seem like a pretty happy guy, though. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so one, of the, one of the things your company is also able to do is drunk or not. It was something that we prototyped a few years back, and so the, the research behind it was pretty funny. We had to sit in a room and take, him, take pictures and videos of ourselves after one beer, two beers, three beers, four beers. And we tried to, to infer a, a trend there. So, you know, was there something that, was there a pattern that, that our technology could pick up on? Uh, and, and we were able to, to do that. And so, you know, we were able to take a picture of you when you were, when you were sober and then three or four drinks later tell you, you know, you were intoxicated. Um, it was just something that we were, we were having fun with to, to showcase the technology. Okay, but with, so with, with your nets, it based on how much data you were able to input. Correct. So you sound like you're talking about a handful of friends because you would need a lot more people than that to get it to work, prop, to scale it, right? Correct. To scale it properly, you would need thousands of data points. Uh, we were just trying to showcase the technology, so we weren't trying to deploy that for you know, any ride-sharing service or any, anything like that. Um, it was just for us to demonstrate how this could, how this could be used. And it definitely can work. I worked. Can. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> Dude, I mean, th th this world in which we live, because of you guys, is so freaking freaky man i mean i love it right but it's just it's so weird so with true face you're able to detect weapons so why is it then when i like when someone when a bank robber walks in and pulls a gun why doesn't the bank immediately shut down because have like let me guess the bank doesn't use technology like correct <laughs> why not though uh, you know, I, I think it's it's a matter of how they purchase and procure technology, and banks are very traditionally slow at, at procuring new technology. And so I think it's, you know, when you think about the adoption curve, they're definitely not early adopters. Um, they're waiting to see, you know, how this well, how well this technology works in other environments that are comparable to theirs. So I, I do think that banks will add that. Um, you know, hotels as well. We saw um, a video of someone, I think it was a, a big hotel brand in Florida last uh, New Year's, getting robbed and, and the individual walked in, pulled a gun and it took 30 minutes for anyone to respond to that. So had this technology been running on those cameras, the authorities would have been alerted in, in seconds versus uh -huh. 30 minutes and you know they've already robbed the hotel and gotten away. So I, I do think it, it's at a point now where people are, are and entities are starting to realize the value of this technology uh -huh. and the information it can provide instantly, um, but it just takes time to, to buy this technology. Okay, but the big thing with this technology is none of us want to be in a freaking database, right? So <laughs> it's how too do, late. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, okay, okay. You're on social media, aren't you? Right, okay. So, so, so you're being honest. Like, if you've been in the big city at least once, you're fucked. Well, I, I disagree with that statement. Um, I think that, you know, if you use social media, if you shop on the big retail, online retailers, uh, you know, if you use a credit card, you're being tracked in one way or another. And it, it, it's really not a matter of the identification piece. It's what information is tied to that. You know, where is that stored? Who has access to it? Can you sell it? I think that's the, the important piece is, you know, where is our information going? Uh, from a private citizen perspective, I want to know who has my information and I want to know how they're selling it. Um, but, you know, the, the identity piece of that, the facial recognition component, isn't what I'm as worried about is what information does that lead to? Uh -huh. So when you think about 
you know, how facial recognition works, it's really, there's three components to it. It's the identity, facial recognition, it's correlation. So how is that information tied to something else? How is it tied to where you go shopping, where you eat, who you're friends with? So Mm. correlation, and then you have action. What's the action that someone's going to take when they know that information? So you have to have all three of those components for it to be a meaningful, you know, meaningful tool. Otherwise, you're just identifying someone for the sake of identifying them. You know, it's not, it's not as valuable. Okay. So, and I mean, my, my, my face though, can, can that be cheated? Could a hacker come in? Okay. For instance, I've heard stories of like some um, banks and other places might allow you to withdraw money, probably in China, Mm -hmm. using your face as kind of your credit card. Can someone then step in a smart guy like you? Okay, and withdraw my money. I can't. I can't take your money, but can you take mine? <laughs> no. Um, you would have to have like an insider threat at that point, where someone someone who knows exactly how the system is architected to try and reconstruct it. Uh, it's very very difficult to do, and and I don't see it as a real threat. And the other piece to note there is the way which we extract faces. So it's a numerical representation of your face. It's not an actual image. We do it differently than the rest of the providers. So you couldn't take a template that works in our system and run it on a competitor's environment. It wouldn't work. It would just render completely useless. So the idea that your face can be stolen um, via a picture on the internet is, is not really that true. And if your credentials were ever compromised in our system, we would delete it like a file on a computer and then re-enroll you. So you know the, the concern of, well, once my face is taken, you know I, I can't change it, like I can't change a password, it's really not that valid of a concern because every single company does it a different way, and it's a simple file that they could erase afterwards and re-enroll you. Okay. So my face will one day become my password. I believe so, yes. And it would work, but I mean, so I would have nothing to remember, or would I still need a password in, in conjunction? I, I think it depends on the, the severity of the use case. So if you're talking about, you know, transferring two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you know, we, we would like to see face plus some other factor of authentication, so two factor, you know, mm-hmm. accessing a government facility or building two factor authentication for things like opening your phone. You know, I think that the face is, is sufficient, and for things like you know accessing maybe a building that's that's not as high risk also sufficient so you know it's definitely accurate enough to empower those use cases but for Uh very very high security environments you know two-factor is definitely something that that should be considered how long before me as an american could walk into you know the grocery store and use my face as my credit card i think we're probably a year and a half two years out Um, and you think visa and mastercard and all these guys have just signed on to that i do uh you know i the the technology's there we could do it today so it's a matter of you know We've got to run through proof of concepts, show them it works at scale, and then get these units out in stores. Um, so, you know, the future of retail is obviously moving towards um, peopleless stores or cashierless uh, checkout. Uh-huh. And I think that, you know, with that, you have to have things like age verification to verify alcohol and tobacco sales, and then you've got to have pay with your face. So I, I do think we're, we're close to it. So we could be moving towards the cashless system, right? Mm-hmm. How's that work out for the homeless guy out on the street, though? We've already moved to it. <laughs> <laughs> Credit cards, Venmo, uh, PayPal. You know, we, we've we've moved to it already. You know, this is just another step in that direction. Yeah, I get that. Okay, because I know I know like um a lot of the coffee shops and stuff in New York mm-hmm. had stopped taking cash because it's easier for them to do business. You don't have to have cash on the premises. Right. You don't need to transfer. Less risk. You know. Right. right. You know, and. But what they realized is that excluded a bunch of poor people because the poor dude does not have a bank account or a credit card. Or, and we got a lot of homeless people in New York and California mm-hmm. right now. So if we were to go cashless with, with everyone using facial recognition, they would be kind of screwed, right? I think you have to have an element of, of continuing the, the continuity of cash. Um, but will it be phased out? You know, I, I'm not sure. I, I think that this is a, a sufficient option, though to advance the payment system and also reduces fraud. And I can't take your credit card and go you know, run to Target and go shop. Mm-hmm. So there's an element of fraud reduction and abatement there. Okay, how do, how do, I, how do I beat facial recognition? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> Can yeah. I distort my face? There are ways in which you know, people have tried with masks and with things like QR codes or adversarial networks to try and trick facial recognition, but my question there is, what's the intention? You know, why are you trying to avoid facial recognition? Uh-huh. It, it's not like we walk down, you know, the, the streets in LA, and, and your face is being recorded, stored, and then you know, matched to something. That, that's not happening. Uh-huh. So currently, law enforcement's using facial recognition in the United States as an investigative tool, not a surveillance tool. 
So crime has been committed. They're using it to generate leads. They're not using it to, to monitor street corners. Uh, so you know but that day could come, and there's a particular country that would have cameras well, on every well, corner. Fortunately, that you know we have uh, agencies like the ACLU who who are keeping um, the other side honest, and I think federal regulation is the way to go here in, in driving transparency and, and responsibility in the use of this technology. So, so there has to be you know there has to be guardrails up, and we have to have regulation. But instead of banning the tool, uh-huh. you've got to regulate behavior of the tool. So San Francisco banned facial recognition yes, last year. We were going to get to that. Go on. Yeah, they didn't actually ban it. Um, what they did was make it so that you had to have a warrant to use facial recognition. Now, this is a city that was not already using facial, facial recognition. So they did it as a, as a proactive approach to this. Preemptive. Uh, preemptive, uh-huh. correct. And then six months later, they realized they made it illegal <laughs> <laughs> for their local, you know, lo- local authorities to use iPhones because of the facial recognition unlock feature. So that's a knee-jerk reaction to a technology, you know, to a technology that people are wary about, mm. and, and I think it's important for the regulators and the lawmakers to really understand this technology and, and not ban the tool, but regulate the behavior of the tool. Okay, how do we get these governments, the U.S. government, our Senate, our Congress, to even understand what the fuck you guys do? <laughs> because here's the thing: I watch Mark Zuckerberg on Capitol Hill, right? Uh, talking about Facebook, and this was just basic ads, just simple shit. There's, there's no neural nets, so you know, nothing like that. And and I remember, I think it was Orrin Hatch asking him, so how does Facebook make money? And right there, I was like, holy shit. This dude is a senator in the United States, the, the most powerful country on the planet, and you don't even know how Facebook makes money? Huh? <laughs> You know, it's God help him. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg have to explain like Facebook's reach, like what that even means. You know, right? It's not a good look. Um, you know, I do think that with the the proper information, we can make good decisions. Um, so we've been proactive in reaching out to the powers that be to try and inform them of the limitations of this technology. And, and a lot of you know, a lot of the concern is around bias, and, uh-huh. and it's yes, yes, it's, you know, age bias, it's race bias, ethnicity bias. And that's a solvable problem. And so, you know, the, the way to solve that is better data. So if you have better data going in, you're going to have better data output. If you have corrupt or unbalanced data going in, you're going to have that as the output. And so, you know, that's something that, that we've shown as an industry that we're advancing, that we're, we're getting better at. So, so that's, that's one of the cha- – is that one of the big reasons why China is doing so well with, with artificial intelligence is because they have so much people and they're able to take all this data – and then America, we really restricted in. Correct. We're restricted in the way we can access data. They're not. So, so does that mean that they will pass us at some point? Oh, I think they're ahead of us in, in the development of artificial intelligence. I think they are absolutely are ahead of us. Uh, but they're they're hyper focused on their region of the world. So you know they're 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 much more accurate on their citizens than they are on, on citizens of the United States because that's the data they collect. That's the data they turn their algorithms on. So I could run down the street in China, do all kinds of shit and walk I away. I wouldn't do that. I but mean, <laughs> I'm going to run the block. Hey, what's the Okay? Where the facial recognition proof? Oh, don't work on me. No shit. It was that dude. So it could work out like that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I still wouldn't advise it, but, you know, it's just a matter of data collection and access to data. So, you know, provided that we have balanced data in the, ge- the geography that we're looking at uh-huh. at deploying this technology, you're not going to run into those issues. So I think it's important for the lawmakers to understand the limitations and regulate accordingly. If they, if they try to regulate without knowing what they're talking about. But that's where they are. They that's don't what know happens what in San Francisco. Uh-huh. You, you ban people from using iPhones. Uh-huh. Because I heard, the, like, the iPhone in the beginning, like, like Asians couldn't open their phones, right? It's a whole race of people. I'm like, oh right. my god. Right. Okay, so so we've 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 kind of solved that problem. So how do we how do we keep up with China when we have so many roadblocks in front of us? Yeah, I think the roadblocks are necessary right now. You know, I think it's important for us to to not stifle innovation or advancement of innovation, but also to be cautious about once this is built, there's really no going back. And so, you know, it's, it's really important for us to take the proper precautions in, in the advancement of this technology, but while also thinking globally. And right now, I don't think we're thinking as globally as we need to be in the advancement of AI. So it's a difficult question to answer because they're, they're, they're years ahead in data, and, and we need to catch up, and we need to, we need to surpass. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's a matter of how do we set the, the parameters right now uh, to ensure that we're going to do it properly. So in – okay, so facial – there are American companies helping China with their with their AI, right? 
I don't Supposedly. know. I don't know. Um, I, I, we're, we're not in the shadows. Yeah. Okay. He, but how how is it that tech guys justify the way a country like that would use their data? Because they really they have the whole social credit system, right? And this really to keep their citizens in check. Like, you know, two guys meeting, you know, uh, in some dark alley a few years ago. No one would know, but now with facial recognition, you're able to say, "Wait a minute!" Every time, you know, Jim is here, Tom is here. They have to be meeting because this is too much of a coincidence. A com- like a human would have never caught that. Right. That's going back to correlation. You know, uh-huh. so it's the identity piece, but then the correlation is the information you can collect. Yeah. On the side of that, y- you know, I I think it's it's important to note that China as a country thinks about the world differently than we do. So where we see surveillance and privacy, you know, they may not believe that in the same way we do. They, they may have just grown up with that. Whether that's right or wrong is a, a very different yeah, conversation. Yeah, completely, completely different culture. But, yeah. but the culture is, is used to that. And, and I was over there in 2015 and 2017, and, you know, I asked about the same thing. I said, you know, are you all concerned about this credit system or facial recognition technology? And for the most part, they weren't. And, and I don't know if they were afraid to speak up, but, you know, for the most part, they were not as concerned as I would have thought or as we project on, on the world that yeah. they should be. And, and I think it is because that's the way that they've, they've grown up. That's the way they've always dealt with technology. And, and you know, you th- look at something like their, their WeChat app, which is all of our social media, you know, in one what? plus payment. It's an incredible tool, and, and you can use it for payment at a, a mom-and-pop liquor store, you know, on a street in the middle, you know, in the middle of a, a I guess, a very small city out there, which is still a couple million people. But, uh-huh. you know, you know the, the advancements that they have made in that their, their citizens see, I think, is pretty impressive. Um, but, again, it's a population of over a billion people. Uh, so it's a massive, massive place. And... You know, I just think it, it's different. We, we try to we try to to project our views on them and, and say this is wrong. And you know, whether it's right or wrong, again, is a different conversation. But you know, we would not be willing to help help power that technology over there. Um, we're very particular about who we will work with, and we've said you no mean to people. Company specific, correct, place. correct. Yeah. Yeah. And we said no to people. We'll continue to say no to people. Uh, we don't do work there. And so I think it's, it's important that while regulation is happening, the companies that have the, the power to enable that type of use case or that type of technology really consider the ethical you know, boundaries that they want to set up. And, and there are some companies that will do it. And, what, and what percentage of guys in tech would say, hey, you know, this, this technology is definitely going to help you know, a, a government that doesn't necessarily believe in freedom and democracy, but I do it anyway. Like, what percentage of... of you know, I'd like to believe that it's low. Um, <laughs> what's, what's low? 20%? <laughs> no, I think it's less than that. You know, I, I know the executives that we compete with, uh-huh. and all but one have have drawn a pretty hard line saying we will not empower those. Uh-huh. There's one company that's been in the news lately for, for not caring as much. Um, about how they collect data and, you and see what that no, I don't. Okay, um, cool. So I can Google. <laughs> it. You can look at it. Okay. Yeah, what should I Google? <laughs> Which company sucks balls and willing to help a dictator? <laughs> Without writing that down, so we can Google that later. <laughs> go on, go so, on. So there's definitely you know people out there that are more concerned about money than they are about ethical uh-huh. practices. Um, but I, I do think that that's that's a very small percentage of of the technology providers. So one of the things I've heard out of China that something that they have with AI is they have gate recognition, the way you walk. Mm-hmm. So is that pretty simple to do as well? Same thing, just putting in the data. It's data. Yeah, it's all data. So it's pa- it's pattern matching. You know, if you, if you can match patterns, then uh-huh. all you need is the data to do that. So you could technically have an AI. Let's just say I don't pull a gun, but it could tell that I'm carrying a gun by the way I'm walking or behaving. If you had enough data there, that would be a little bit harder. Um, you know, you probably would look into some cameras that are very, very powerful, um, which could hypothetically see through clothes. So are I think cameras that could see through clothes. I don't know. <laughs> no, but the way you <laughs> said that, I mean, you said a real casual like, yeah, you know, they like see through clothes. <laughs> I, mean, it's got I mean, there's there's cameras that can monitor heat and uh-huh. heat map people and, and how they're moving and things like that. So, you know, I'd imagine there's a heat signature from a, a weapon. Uh-huh. Um I don't know. You know, I'm not in that business. Okay. So, but cool. but the gate recognition is something that, yeah, you you could as long as you have the training data, you could power an algorithm to to recognize. And and there's also tech out there that could monitor for shoplifters, right? Not in terms of not only in terms of you picking stuff off of off, off the shelf and putting it in your clothes, but 
I, I read somewhere wherein you, you walk in and a shoplifter is automatically looking around to see where everyone is because they have to keep their head on a swivel, and that's a giveaway. Have you have you seen that kind of tech? I've heard about it. I've not seen it in practice. But that, um, that seems fairly simple Yeah, it's, to do. It's, it's like an anomaly detection. So you've got you know 10,000 people that walk into a big box retailer every single day, and 99.9% act this way. One person acts a different way, and so that's a, a flag. And whether or not that's a... A shoplifter or just someone who's trying to cause harm you know you don't know and and, and the real way to do that is uh, human in the review meaning that that alert is sent to a human who monitor you know who then takes a look at that video clip or monitors that behavior so the technology is not meant to make the decision for for the human it's meant to inform that human being whether or not you know they should investigate further okay okay that that's that's pretty cool um london also has a bunch of cameras mm-hmm. Are, are they facial recognition cameras as well? Because they have cameras everywhere. They are. So they just had a, a, a kind of massive or monumental piece of legislation pass um, where they are allowed to use facial recognition on the streets over there. Um, and so, you know, their, 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 whole, um, their whole focus is providing security. And I think that here in the U.S. It's, it's also a focus for us is how do we make places like concerts, stadiums, airports more secure? And we've had incidences every single year with people causing harm at those types of environments. And so there, there, there's this fear that, you know, we're not doing enough from a security standpoint. Um, Taylor Swift, for instance, she was using facial recognition to find stalkers at her concerts. A lot of people spoke out against her, but, you know, she has a right to protect herself. And so she's, is she still doing it or is she stopped? I don't know if she's still doing it. It was not our technology, but she was doing it. And, and a lot of people, you know, said this isn't appropriate. But they're not in her position. You know, they're not being targeted by stalkers every single day. And so mm-hmm. I think that, you know, from a security perspective, as long as the, the data is held for a certain amount of time and then erased, you know, y- you have to have the precautions or, or the restrictions around the data. It's not the actual technology being used. So, so I mean, how do... So, if if I were to put a bunch of gumballs in my mouth, right? You know, like, out here. Is that enough to distort it? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, you're, you're, we're looking at confidence rates, right? So, uh-huh. confidence thresholds. So, what that would do is reduce the confidence of uh-huh. identification. I don't think it would... It wouldn't eliminate the identification, uh-huh. but it would say instead of 98%, we're 96% or 92%. I'm just trying to beat Skynet that you guys are creating. <laughs> like, when I need to get out of the city... Should I have gumballs in my stash? <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to survive here, John. <laughs> so you, so there's, there's no real, like you said, there's no real way to beat this unless you, you know, kind of in the system. Okay, so how long is it before we, as Americans, just say, you know, what facial recognition is here to stay? We can be in every database. It's cool. How far away you think that is? I think an element of it is already here. You know, you use your iPhone, so you you use that. Um, I, I don't use it on my iPhone though, which is weird. Even though I all over the internet, so I might as well use it on my iPhone. But go on. A lot of people here use it, and there are other. You know, Samsung, I believe, has the same technology. The iPhone actually wasn't the first handset to have facial recognition. I think they were just the first to make people comfortable with it. Uh-huh. If you you know travel at the airport, uh, fly to LA, from LAX to Heathrow, it takes 50 minutes to board that plane. Now it takes 20 with facial recognition. So I think we're starting to see, you know, more mainstream uses of this technology. And and I think that that's, you know, the idea of that is what brings us to the next step of mass mass adoption in the banking environment, in the building access environment, stadiums, you know, things of that nature. So so I think we're we're very close to it. Um, You know, whether or not you see it day to day is somewhat irrelevant the best user experience is no user experience and so you know the idea here is that we're providing a frictionless access to it to a place or uh-huh. digitally um and that's where you know facial recognition becomes a, a pretty much integral part to our day how long do you think it is before it's almost impossible to mi- commit a crime not because i don't want to kill someone like i won't kill this dude but <laughs> i know <laughs> You know, I'm screwed if I do it, if I do that. You know, it's resource based, and so the like I said, the law enforcement that's using the technology now is not using it as surveillance. They're using it for investigation. So a crime has to have already been committed, and then they're going back and analyzing the faces of those individuals against a database that they have. So, but you could have cameras that lie sort of dormant and don't come to life until there is a threat. You you could, right? 
Yeah, but when you, when you think about the infrastructure that's required to run real time facial recognition on, in a city, or you know, talk about the, the biggest cities in, in the United States, you're now generating a heat map that could be seen from a satellite based on the data center that, that would be housed in. So there's a lot of hardware infrastructure that, that a lot of people don't think about. Uh-huh. So it'd be a pretty obvious thing <coughs> that that was happening, um, that we were building these massive data centers out in you know farm farmlands <laughs> in, 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 in the Midwest. And I'm from the Midwest, so okay, you know. okay, we can hide it. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> it would be difficult to hide that. Uh, so I, I, you know, I just don't see us getting there, and I think regulation in the next two three years is is what prevents that from happening. Now, do I think that it should be harder to commit a crime? Yes, I do, and and I'm happy that it would be harder uh-huh. to to commit a crime, and I'm happy that we can help. You know, provide technology to our law enforcement to to take something that would typically take two weeks to solve to a day to solve. Uh-huh. You know, that 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 to me helps us live in a safer and smarter world. No, I, I'm, I understand that part. Okay, so boys, get your crime in now. You don't got law. <laughs> 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 so it's again, it's resources. You know, do, do you want to spend time worrying about someone stealing uh-huh. a Kit Kat bar from a Walgreens? You know, probably not. There there are there are more important things for for the police task force and police but officers that, but to that handle. because that shoplifting causes. It absolutely of dollars a year. Absolutely. It okay. absolutely does. And should it happen? No. <laughs> but is that more important than no, something you. else? You I know, get it, you. it's hard for me to say, but I, I would doubt it. So the the company that uh, that you had before TrueFace was Chewy? Correct. Okay. Correct. And that was doorbell. We were manufacturing cameras and embedding facial recognition on those cameras. So we were applying both supplying both hardware and software. And we ran that for about uh, five years uh-huh. and then extracted the software component and got it to work amongst everyone's cameras. So so someone, something like you would be more like Ring. Yes, so that was one of our big competitors at the time, right? We were in the smart home space and we were enabling the, the unlocking of a door based on identity and then customizing your home based on your identity as you enter that door. So whether you wanted to know that your kids were home, we would send that alert. Um, or if you wanted to be able to access your house without using a key, we could do that too. Okay, someone listening to this right now going, man, I prefer the old school way as to using a key. And then some young kid right now is going, no, 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 facial re- the facial recognition way is, is more secure. Which is better? I think it's advancement in technology. You know, I think that your face is more secure than a key that you could lose um, or that you know someone can make a copy of. So, uh, and the other thing with the face component is you have a physical record of who entered your house. So you know if you know the the UPS man or the FedEx man or woman has, has come up to the door. You know if your kids have come up to the door. You know if a neighbor has come up to the door. You don't know that with the physical key. Yeah. So we were just a couple years too early with that product. Um, we saw some commercial success with it, but there was absolutely more uh, market market options for us with just software. Yeah. So ring, ring, the stolets, and that's the thing, man. Like, see this kind of tech now. You can't bring your mistress home. You know what I mean? You got to go to a hotel, and then they got facial recognition. Something happened, and that oh god, okay. See, that's what I'm talking, guys. You have to be honest, okay? Yeah, it no more mistresses. To deceive people. <laughs> so, so currently, you do some work with the Air Force. Correct. Are you able to talk about that? Yes, it's public. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we, we, we do base security for them. Um, so we're monitoring individuals that come onto the base. And that's to protect those bases from, from bad actors entering. Yeah, because they've had some shootings at bases. But those have actually been soldiers. Correct. I, Correct. I mean, would, would, would the Air Force be open? Because I'm sure there's um, some pattern of behavior that precedes like a shooting. Would the Air Force be open to allowing you guys to to build that kind of like data? Um, well, so, so so they could tell like, okay, this guy is about to go off right now. Right. They ha- so we actually don't have access to their database. Okay. They have their own database. We don't ever supply clients with databases. So they okay. have to build their own. So they have a list of people that should not have access to that base, whether it's you know a soldier that has been kicked out for some reason or it's a contractor who has committed fraud. Um, they have a list of people who are not allowed to access, and that's what we're we're really looking for. Oh. Because I, w- I wasn't, th- I was thinking more like you know, this guy has full access to the base, but he is his behavior indicates that, you know, he's about to do something like he's about to set something off. I mean, right, the kind of tech that picks that up. That's not necessarily what you guys are doing. No, it's not. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm assuming that there are some companies that specialize in that anomaly detection in social media behavior, or you know, someone's tweeting a bunch of things against our government. And that's that's right. I didn't even think about because. Because you should be able to pick these guys up just with software, in, and like the FBI should have this software and know that hey, Jim Brown, right here in Nebraska is about to go off, right? Right. I mean, you think so? Because <laughs> that's available now. 
I think in a lighter version, it is available now. There, there, there's some detection of people that are speaking up on social media that that could do harm. Uh-huh. Um, and so you know, the, I think it's the FBI has to investigate that that type of potentially harmful individual. Um, but, you know, whether they're tying it to an Air Force base, I, I'm not sure. Our, our job is to ensure that the individuals entering that base uh-huh. should be entering that base. So, so going back to the Air Force and this piece on drones here. So, is it possible to to attach facial recognition to a drone? Right. So every t- every time you open the papers, you turn on TV. Our drones have blown up some Afghan wedding. Okay, like a wedding is the worst invitation you could get in Afghanistan. <laughs> Someone invites you to a wedding, for God's sakes, don't go. Okay. Could we have facial recognition that actually picks out the right guy at this wedding so you don't blow up the whole wedding party every weekend? Hypothetically, yes. Um, you know, you're, you're, what you're talking about fundamentally is identifying someone from a camera. Uh-huh. So, so that, that, is, that technology you know, is possible. Uh, we're not working on drone-based facial recognition to target a specific individual <laughs> at a wedding in Afghanistan. Okay, um. okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Guys, so don't attack him for that, okay? He's not a part of that. The next dude. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so, you know, you know, is that possible? The short answer is yes, but there are a lot of ethical conversations around, you know, uh-huh. the human having to, to make that decision and whether or not that information is enough to, to add a, a level of of decision making to that process that already exists. You know, I'm not as familiar with the chain of command uh-huh. for, for when a drone is sent over a wedding and uh-huh. you know, someone's gotta make the decision to, to press the button. I think it actually has uh-huh. to be two people that make that decision. So right I, now one of them people is Stevie Wonder, I can tell you that right now. Because <laughs> these dudes, I don't know what they're looking at. Like every time is we apologize. We apologize, right. you know? So so <clears throat> is it possible I, I would say Yes, because you're you're talking fundamentally about a camera recognizing a face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you have the accuracy that you need to, to make that decision? I don't know. Again, we're not working in that, those types of environments. Okay, but, for, but like stepping away from true face for a second, that would that would that would make it. I mean, you you don't want to dr- have a drone strike on anyone, but add a little bit more security to the decision being made, right? If you if you could, it, it would. Up. If you could do that, yes, it would. Um, but that, that the moral question there is: Are we weaponizing artificial intelligence? Okay, and and, and that's you know that's a it's a pretty pretty strong topic right now, and it's something that needs to be really thought through because, like you said, it could eliminate collateral damage. Um, it, it could be used to target to the specific person, and and does that ultimately help you know reduce the damage that we're causing and and also take out the individual that needs to be taken out for whatever reason that is. It's a big question, um, you know, and, and it's something that really needs to be considered at our government level, at our, our private level. Um, so th- th- there's a lot that goes into that. Well, because I know a lot of people out there very sensitive about training artificial intelligence to kill. But in this particular situation, you'd at least kind of get the right dude, you know. But <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I'm right, not endorsing using right. AI. I'm not trying to create Skynet here, guys. I'm just yeah. asking questions. I think what it comes down to is the human has to make the decision. Mm-hmm. It, this technology is not meant to automate decisions. It, it's meant to provide better information. But we are moving towards a world wherein rather than sending a Navy SEAL, we will be sending robots. You could see that happening. I can see that happening, yes. How far will you think we are from that? I'd say ten years. Jesus, that's 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 not even that far. Okay, I might still be alive. Okay, <laughs> if I come back on drinking, you know, a little bit more vegetables, I could be there. So, <laughs> so you could see that about ten years away. But I know the U.S. The way we're 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 raised to think, we would not want um, we would not want our government to have that kind of technology. But however. On the other side, with countries like China, they won't have those kinds of reservations. So you have right. no choice but to weaponize AI, don't be. I think in a way it's, it's similar to what happened with nuclear weapons. And so, you know, is it something that we have to build just to show the world that we have it um, or that we're most advanced in it? And again, this is, this is above my pay grade. I don't know the answer to this. But I, I think that's how we have to think about it is if China is advancing, you know, do we need to continue to, to try to surpass them? Or do we say that's something that we don't want to build um, because of an ethical or moral issue, or that's how we're raised here, and then we now put ourselves in a position where, if we go to a you know a digital-based war or a you know a robot-based war, we're at a disadvantage, a significant disadvantage. So I think when I when I look at the again, 
above my pay grade. When I look at the future of war, I think of it more as cyber attacks. I think, why wouldn't you go after a power grid or a water supplies? And, and I think that's where we have to have protection because that is critical to, to us living our lives. And our power grid's old as hell, right? Right. And it's, it's, it's much more effective than you know, soldiers on the ground with, with machine guns trying to, trying to kill people in a field. And so I think we, we've advanced to that point. And, and I see your point about robots fighting this war for us. But, mm. you know, I think it's important for the United States to really be in front of this race on AI. And it's a space race, right? It, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's going back then. And so it's important for us to know what our competition has, what our, the other countries have, and, and how we can surpass that. So what kind of president, not, we're not talking about Donald Trump right now, just in general, what kind of president does the United States need? to get us to that next level? I'm in no position to say that. You know, I, I, I am a personal or a, a private citizen, and, and my view shouldn't be weighed any more than anyone else's. So, you know, I, I think it just it takes someone that, that has the willingness um, to take a risk on innovation and invest in artificial intelligence. And, and whoever the president is. I mean, regardless of the party, should really the, take the, AI right. seriously. This should not be a party decision, and I think, unfortunately, we're in a position where parties take a, a very strong stance on one side or the other. Artificial intelligence or not, facial recognition or banned it you know, entirely. And that does a disservice to us as, as the people of the United States because you are going to stifle innovation because of, of something that your party upholds as true, not you. Mm. It's a problem. Um, that's a big problem with our politics today. And, and I think the individual that, that's in, in office you know, next, whether he wins, wins re-election or, or someone else comes in or you know, in the next six to eight years, needs to really take artificial intelligence and, and cybersecurity very seriously because that is going to be the foundation of how this country operates in 10 years. Mm-hmm. You need, you need to have a course, you know, understanding AI for idiots in Congress. You know, <laughs> just a book. How many, how many, how many congressmen and senators are there? Like four hundred and something. You just need four hundred and something copies. You know, you could use Amazon to print that. Um, you know, self-publish it. <laughs> so, okay, as a tech guy, who do you look up to? Like one of the big names in the tech space that you you really like. In the tech space, uh, John Chambers is someone that, that I've studied quite a bit, so former CEO of Cisco. Uh-huh. Uh, he's, he's done an, an incredible amount um, in the tech space, and he, he's also very cutting edge on, on thought leadership. So I think he, he's someone that, that I like to look up to. You know, I like to take a look at more outside of the tech space and how are people innovating and you know, how are people approaching the market. So I think it's important for me personally to just surround myself with people that are they're out of my industry and that are out of even tech, you know, like musicians, actors, um, yeah, individuals. Yeah, you did do some acting classes, right? I did take you some. Kind of like Hollywood. You and I, it, it was not. <laughs> it was, it was not to act. It was for public speaking <laughs> purposes. But, okay. Okay. Um, All right. Sure. Yeah. The, the reason was is is I wanted to get better at public speaking, uh-huh. and so that was a way for me to kind of get rid of the fear of being uh-huh. in front of people and, and making a fool of myself. So I can see it as so proper. Just saying, though, if this true face <laughs> thing don't work out, you so know, the bowl and the beautiful. Be, <laughs> could be the next step. <laughs> so, Okay, so let me ask you. Um, I'll, I'll say the tag guy and you just now tell me what you think of them. Like Elon Musk, what do you think about him? I think he's brilliant. Um, you know, I think he's, he's a, a very, very smart individual, and, and I'm excited that he is doing what he's doing. How does he run all these companies? Because he cannot be hands-on with all this shit. Neuralink, Tesla, SpaceX. Dude, his second in command, that's the dude I want to hire. <laughs> no offense, Elon. I still he's, he's got to be a very, very, very intelligent individual who knows how to delegate. Um, uh-huh. But he sounds like, you know, from, from what I've listened to about him, he still likes to get his hands dirty. And, and that's great. Uh, you know, and, and I think he, he has he's done a great job in advancing technology for this world. What, what, um, how long do you think we are before you see full self-driving cars, level five? You know, I've driven in, in one in Las Vegas, not level five, but uh-huh. where they have two individuals in the front kind of uh-huh. making sure things don't go terribly. Um, I, you know, I think it's a couple of years. I think you have to have communication between the paramedic teams of the police force with these cars, with the stoplights. And so th- there's just a lot that has to be done from a, a data perspective and understanding how traffic moves, you know, from one car to one car, sensory, then to the stoplights, then to the paramedic is coming down the street, all the cars stop. So... I mean, they just got to, they have to figure out a lot of those variables. Because all, if we, if we can do that, all cars should be pretty much on like on the same grid, right? Like, they, even though you're a different company, like tapping uh, into there, the There should in be some intercommunication, yeah, intercommunication between them. But, you know, you put things online and they're now, uh, the, the ability for them to be hacked becomes increasingly yeah. accessible. So, 
there has to be a lot of precautions take taken with that because it, if you allow a 80 mile per hour you know truck to be hacked that becomes a weapon yeah and so it, you know it's it's very important that that is done on the right timeline and that, that it's not rushed to be pushed out okay so that, that was the elon musk one mark zuckerberg what do you think Again, you know, he's a, he's a a critical person to the advancement in in the way we interact. Um, you know, <laughs> there there are views I have about what he's doing that I don't agree with, but I do think that he has he has been critical in the way in which humans communicate. You know, whether or not social media is good for for children, is good for us or adults, I don't think we really know. And I think that it's important that he funds studies or that that they put money up to fund studies on on the. You know, or, or even other entities when studies on the effects that social media has on on our cognitive behavior, I think it's impactful. Um, and, I, and I see in, in my friend group that you know we're starting to delete those apps from our, from our phone. We're starting to leave our phones at home when we go out. Um, so I think there is some pushback on this always on, always connected world. It, it creates an immediate reaction society, and I don't think that's the right thing for us to do. We don't deliberately think anymore. So, you know, what he has done has, has no question been important to society, but you know, I think there's a lot that he can do now to ensure that, that you know, we are not hijacking the minds of our, our youth to be always on and, and to be more worried about likes than they are about reading a book. Why do you think he took the stance he took on political ads and still are not, like, fact-checking? I mean, I don't, I don't get, like, how that plays. Like, why? I'm not in issues. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know what conversations he's having at that level, and so there has to be some reason that he's done it. You know, he's just a very, again, he's a very intelligent person. No, I, so. I know the dude's a genius. So, like, like people always, I hate Facebook, but I realize. Well, firstly, Mr. Zuckerberg, uh, you know, Facebook is the biggest part of my portfolio, so I, I love it. Okay, you are brilliant, and <laughs> I have nothing against you. And people who don't like you, don't know you the way I do. Okay, you're a great man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there's no there's no doubt that he has been instrumental to the advancement of our society. Uh-huh. But you know, like any new technology, we don't understand very well. You know, is it having a, a negative or adverse effect? And mm-hmm. I, I think there there is the potential for that to be yes. Okay. And you know, you look at things like Twitter or Instagram, um, or even WhatsApp. You know, th- they're different they're different mediums for communication and for media. And so you know, I, I think they're they're all important, but you know, there's only one Facebook. Uh-huh. You know, there's only one place in the United States that you can go to get that type of information. So, you know, should there be competition in that environment that has been stomped out? Uh-huh. Probably. Um, but how, how do you even begin to compete? Because we go where people are, and everybody on Facebook, right? So when you start off your little side thing, you know, like Bow Bow or whatever it's called, you know, tech guys have these cool names. No one's, <laughs> if no, you know, no, if 10 people are on that, dude, I'm not using that. It's a network effect, right? So you've got to have value there. You can't just start a social media site and, and hope people come to it. So there's uh-huh. there's got to be value that's missing on Facebook. I mean, that's what that's what Instagram was. Uh-huh. You know, it's a place for you just to share pictures, and it's obviously advanced now. But I, there are people that are very smart, and innovative who can think of that. It's it's not you know, <laughs> I'm not in a position to, to spend my entire day thinking about it, but. Uh-huh. Um, you know what he's done has been has been truly remarkable. Um, whether or not his stance on politics is right or wrong, uh-huh. again, not not for me to comment on. I hear. I'm still a fine mark, so please, you know, <laughs> help my page. Um, <laughs> okay, a last the last the last tech guy, uh, Jeff Jeff Bezos. What do you think of him? Again, um, he is. He You're is, taking these deep breaths. <laughs> he has altered the world that we live in. Um, he's. I think the wealthiest person in the world. Yeah. Um, After divorce. Uh, uh, correct. You know, how, you know how special that is? <laughs> you know what kind of brains that take to be a billionaire, get divorced, and still be rich? So, you know, what he's done is, is truly incredible as well. Uh-huh. Um, we compete with one of their products. So, you know, I, I think he has driven the cost down to a lot of a lot of products out there. And, you know, he's a very innovative thinker, a very intelligent person. And, and he sticks to his mission. Um, so is, is he a coder? Sorry, is I don't believe so. No. Okay. I, I'm. Not, I mean, surely not anymore. I don't know if he started doing it, but okay. but surely not anymore. So you know, very smart, very smart, and and, and the commerce industry is is better because of what he's done. Okay. So again, but that that's a it's a place that that is uprooting our okay. traditional retail environments. And what's funny is they started online and now they're going to brick and mortar with Amazon Go stores. Oh yeah, uh, those would be like supermarkets, right? 
Uh, they're they're grab and go stores, so they're they're. Yeah, I think the intention is to automate the the self checkout process again. Uh-huh. But yes, they they'll be like little convenience type stores. I mean, and, but, and then from there they would expand and become right. Like a supermarket. But they've purchased Whole Foods, yeah. And so you know, having their Amazon boxes and Whole Foods and in the real estate that Whole Foods had, I think is is pretty important to his his growth plan. But he's also got his hands in space, um, you know. So yeah. he's a He's a very bright individual who who has a lot of money to to play around with with different right. innovations. Yeah. Hey, excuse me, tech guys. Can you motherfuckers leave something else for us to do? <laughs> you all own everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you do you feel that we're moving towards that world though, where like tech guys is only like a few tech companies and they own everything? Because you can kind of see that. That's happening, what right? it feels like right now. Um, but I think that's that's on the next generation or even the you know the, the leaders of today to figure out how do we uproot what's happening there. I mean, there there's always innovation. You yeah. know, there, there there's always an opportunity to innovate on something. So I think that just takes you know takes some time. And and they're they're commanding their place in the market right now. But will that be the same in ten years? Uh, probably not. You know, th- there's probably going to be something else that comes up that we're not aware of right now that uproots them. How do, how do you f- how long do you feel we are how far away do you think we are from artificial general intelligence when a computer becomes sentient? Very far. Really? Yeah, I do. You see, one of the few people saying like, what, what, what do you consider very far? Uh, over ten years. Okay, well, that, that's not that far. But okay. <laughs> foreign, foreign tech is ten I, years. I mean, okay, I, ten to twenty years. I would say, I mean, probably even longer. So why, why do you feel years. it's so far away? You know the, the the way that we've been able to program. Uh, even machine learning right now, it, it's it's data in and it's learning behavior, you know, or it's learning patterns. So for us to try to mimic what happens in the brain and then feed in something like emotion, I think is very, very difficult to do. Um, you know, chatbots is not the same as, as general intelligence and, and being able to react to a situation based on 50 million data points. So I just think that, you know, it's something that, that scientists and in engineers and innovators need to take seriously because once that technology is developed there is no turning You're around back, and, yeah. right there's no turning back and saying okay well maybe we shouldn't have done that so I, I do think that we are you know as a society we should take precaution when trying to to get to that point but i think it's far away i do okay but you but you do see one day we will be able to do that or you think i, this I think that happen? i think the, p- the possibility is there um, but I think processing, you know, processing power needs to continue to, to advance the way it's, it's moving right now. I don't know if we reach a critical mass there. Um, you know, I, I think there's just a lot of variables and, and there's, there's gotta be a lot of very, very bright people that are working on it and working on it with the mindset that what we create will not be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Skynet. I get you. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you feel that we're living in a simulation? Some people feel that this is simulation. <laughs> he laughed at the question. <laughs> yeah, because I've heard it. You know, I've heard it before, and and I think the probability leans towards we are. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I'd like to think not, but I don't know. You know, it's it's a it's a very important introspective question to ask yourself. Um, uh-huh. it's not something that that my opinion holds any weight on. Sure, sure. <laughs> So what's 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 the next big thing for for Trueface? You know, we're we're, we're continuing on in, in the commercial space with face recognition, automated age verification. So this year is primarily on on lining up the rest of our federal business and pushing in further to to you know being able to empower or enable entities to drive economic value from things like facial recognition. Would your company so one day, let's say using your tech? Without ever seeing a driver's license, you could line up some people from high school, mix in one or two 21-year-olds, and your tech would be able to detect who's 21 and who's not? Yes. Um, so it's more a matter of like setting boundaries. Like when you go to a store and buy alcohol, if you look under 30, they have to card you. Mm-hmm. So it's automating that process because we've got a mean average error of two and a half years. So we know without a shadow of a doubt that you are under 30 if you're 21 years old. Mm-hmm. So you card that person. If you're over 30, you know, you yeah. can continue on with your day. So it, it's just a matter of setting those, those thresholds properly. But, but, I, but I'm saying, like, the actually having the facial recognition be good enough to say, hey, this guy is 19, this one's 21. Is that really, really tough? Uh, it's tough, but it's data. You know, it's the more, doable. The more data, the, the closer you get to that. There's always going to be edge cases or anomalies. Uh-huh. And so you, know, you, you have to, to understand that there are limitations there. But it's doable. It's doable. 
what what are some of the other use cases for facial recognition that you don't think of in terms of like let's say you know security or surveillance how 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 what are some of the other ways other companies are doing that there are tools very similar to facial recognition like emotion analysis um for you know, people who are who are showing a movie for the first time and they want to check the crowd's reaction. So being able to analyze emotion uh, based on specific points of that film. A lot of movies doing that now. Uh, we know of a couple uh, studios that do that. Because oh, um, most movies still suck. So guys, <laughs> I don't know what kind of tech you all using, but I suggest Should, you use true you face. Shouldn't say that. No <laughs> <way>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, I'm just kidding. Um, so you know that that's definitely one of them. We're starting to see more and more in the scientific community for identifying potentially cancerous uh, skin patterns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that to me is is unbelievably helpful because yeah. you know you look at the, the the error rates which doctors have versus computers, and computers are, are performing better at identifying you know, cancerous moles or or like I said, skin issues. So I think that that's you know that's outside of the investigative realm or the access control realm that that we're excited about. So. In terms of in terms of lying, because I've I've heard like when you go through when you when you come into the country, that customs is now using, you know, face some form of facial mm -hmm. recognition, to detect if a person is telling the truth. Like it's supposedly like if you curl your toes in your shoes, this you know it's supposed to detect that hey this person's nervous or something like that. Is this does this exist? I, you know I think there there's been studies on micro movements. I think Paul Ekman was the one who who pioneered that. Um, but it's you know measuring the micro movements of your face to to indicate whether or not you're lying or you're trying to mis mis yeah mislead someone, uh -huh. and so you know that does exist, um, but it's not something that working we're working on, and, and whether or not the the algorithms are advanced enough to detect that, I, I'm unsure at this stage. But in time, you could see. Like all these, like everything we're mentioning is possible in time. In time, I think so, but but you'd have to have an economic reason to build that. So you wouldn't just build it for fun. No, but if, but if you could detect lies, I mean, that's a game changer. You know, imagine me and you go out drinking. We come home. The wife asks where we were. We were at church, honey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then this shit's on. And then they go, no, no, no. They were not at church. Okay. And does the drunk or not? And they both look drunk. Okay. So, so we're screwed. You built something that just killed our, our marriages, man. <laughs> like I said, I, I didn't build that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, listen. This is, so please go check out Trueface AI. Okay, mm -hmm. Trueface.ai. Look at some of the stuff he's doing because it's super, super cool. All right, adios, mi gente. Nos vemos. Thank you for coming through. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. Do you like vodka? Or do you like um, whiskey? Uh whiskey. Okay, I got a bottle for you. Thanks. All right, later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>